will come out, will come to play. Just for recreation's sake, to pass the time away. Lots of fun, heaps of fun, enjoy yourself today. North Melbourne boys are hard to beat when they come out to play. So join in the chorus, sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. Good evening and welcome to the Stern Look. My name is Nate Seven. I'm joined by Philly Roo, Quiverer, and the former host, Kangaroos Forever. Welcome, boys. Good Good evening, everyone. Thanks, boy. We're just going to run through some the usual uh, concept, and that'll be just you know a few uh, the North Melbourne issues questions. Uh, we'll probably rant on about a few things. There'll be no there, though, because we can't be stuffed this week. Uh, a review, then a preview, and possibly a bit of a roundup. First of all, we'll jump straight into the issues of the week. Uh, the first one will be the five-year contracts issue, or five-year plus. Are we going to be seeing more of them? Are the players worth it? Do they deserve it? Or should we be sticking to more ones and two years? Kangaroos forever. I know this is something that you brought up with me very early on. What do you think about the five-year-plus contracts and the massive dollar value that goes with them? I, In a way, I respect it and I like it. I like the fact that we're going after Kelly with this type of deal. It's very aggressive and it's what we kind of sometimes just need it to be aggressive to outspend other clubs in the longer term. If they front-end or back-end contracts, it, it can be a good thing, but there's a downside to this in terms of does he get injured? Does he not fulfil his potential? Or is he going to be 34 like Lance Franklin's going to be and be overpaid and not contribute as much? There's a lot of dangers here. It's I still believe we should be sticking to no more than the four-year contract type of deal for younger players, but I can see the benefits of it. The issue, obviously, there is... And what you touched on quite rightly is you look at regardless of age or impediment and skill or, or position is is the range of the contract would be a five plus year contract and there's the potential for illness, injury or falling out of love with the game or just point blank um, just walking away or drugs or, or who knows what and then having to pay them out. And that's where, of course, there's going to be the clauses written in by the relevant lawyers, I'm assuming that is written in by by all the players, managers and their contracts and within the clubs because they don't want to be paying out two and a half to five million for God knows how many years of a particular player not um, being on the park or even at training. So, of course, that's going to be written in, you, you would think. Um, but then Philly Roo and Kangaroos Forever, just to bring you further into that, we, so Kangaroos Forever touched on um, young Kelly and the apparent nine mil and nine years. What do you guys think about that? And what do you think generally about, you know, these massive contracts and them becoming almost the norm going forward? Well, briefly, I, th- I think it's a it's a great deal. I mean, it's great for it's great for the club because it gives us the opportunity to bring in high end talent. I mean, the whole point of having a salary cap is to to attempt to keep the competition as as even as possible. Now, if North Melbourne are paying their players at a level that allows them to bring in a, a top-end player like, like Josh Kelly, then, then that's a, a great thing for the competition. I mean, the, goal, the GWS have 
15 superstars on their list that they've been able to draft with the top two picks over the last six years. And rightly so, some of those players are going to have to leave when they see bigger contracts. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a way of levelling out the competition. And, and the other thing too, I mean, our, our salary cap isn't stagnant. It, it, it grows every year. So nine years from now, a million dollars will, will be totally different in the grand scheme of things. It won't, it won't be such an, such a huge contract really in, in, in the grand scheme. I mean, a million dollars nine years from now might be the equivalent of $500,000 now. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to, it's not going to preclude us from bringing in other talent. I mean, there's talk now that we, we could fit Dustin Martin and Josh Kelly in next year. So if we've got that room now and we can front load those contracts a little bit, I think it's a great thing and, and good on North for being smart enough and frugal enough to have that money in the, in the salary cap ready to rock and roll. Which is funny that, as you mentioned, that you're talking about Dustin Martin, who was, there was some weeks ago or roughly a month ago that there was speculation about an offer put to Dustin Martin, as there was last year and probably every other previous year. But how do you feel about, first of all, Martin and Kelly, but second of all, people seem to underestimate the genius at North Melbourne in the, the inner sanctum and, the, and the, back, the back office type thing and those who are doing the deals and those who actually have a clue about these contracts and what's going on. And then we're seeing it a few years later and saying, oh, shit, North Melbourne's actually quite very very um, smart about these sorts of things and, and preempting, you know, bringing in a Taron Thomas or potentially bringing in, you know, a, a Kelly or bringing in a, a Martin and or Rule 3 and then having that available cap space ready to go, like this mega treasure trove, just ready to dish out and go, look, you know, how can you avoid this? Boys, you've got to come to us, otherwise you're bloody silly. How do you well, see that? Well, that's right. That? I mean, I, mean I, I, I follow American sports really closely, and the way that they do it over there is that they're, they're not looking about who's coming out as a free agent next year or who's going to be uncontracted uncontracted next year or who's coming out of the draft next year. They're looking at things that are going to be happening two, three, four, sometimes even five years away. And they're, they're structuring contracts around that to give themselves the best opportunity to be able to be able to attack the best free agent class or the best, best draft class that they can. And I, I think by, by getting rid of Boomer and Dal and Spud and Petrie last year and then probably getting ready to get rid of weight Hopefully, swallow and maybe Thompson. a couple of you know Thompson, you know maybe Lockie Hanson as well mm. at the end of this year, and, and grooming other guys to come through on smaller contracts, and then give yourselves the opportunity to be able to reinvigorate your, your midfield. I mean, I, I think North Melbourne's drafted really sensibly over the last three years. They they've got a lot of tall players to develop over the years, while we've got the older ones like like Wait and like Petrie that we had. But but at the same time as that, we're going to get rid of those guys in time to be able to take most advantage of what's happening at the end of this year and then the year after with the Taron Thomas thing. So I think, it, you know, you've got to tip your hat to, to like you said, the genius of it. I mean, if, we, if we've got that money available, in saying that, I mean, had we got Isaac Heaney, you know, we apparently we offered him the world and who do we offer Hanbury money the year before? I mean, we, we've been in that in the hunt and Trelaw as well. We've been in the hunt for these big names for, for a little while. And the fact that we've missed out on them may be a blessing in disguise because bringing Josh Kelly back to North Melbourne is something that, that I think we should all be really excited about. And on top of that, we can still afford Dustin Martin under yeah. the huge... Apparently, we've got something like close to $3 million in salary cap space. 
And the other side of that too is we've got to spend the money. There's there's a salary cap floor that we've got to reach, and it's only it's going to increase by a certain percentage as well. And we can't afford both of them. Put both on a million a year, and then inflation for the other players and the draftees done. Yeah, exactly. And then we get five as well. Oh, for Christ's sake! So five, Martin and Kelly. No, we can't get five. It's offering captaincy. If we got if we got dust, no, well, Josh Kelly will be our next captain now. <laughs> yeah, I'll say that'll be part of the deal. Yeah, I mean Jack will do it for the next, I don't know, what four years, probably. Do you reckon? I don't know, maybe more. But Josh Kelly's the the heir apparent there now for sure. Should we? Should, I mean, obviously, should we get him? He's not. I mean, couldn't be our captain if we don't actually get him. But I'm um I'm pretty confident that. Someone told me that the GWS got Deledio almost on 250 or 300 a year. He took a massive pay cut to go there just because he wanted to win the premiership and also because they didn't have bugger all money in their salary cap. Well, they're offering now, about 600 two years, maybe three years for Kelly. Yeah, the only, the only reason Kelly would want to sign a two-year deal is A, to win a premiership, but the other thing is after the next two-year deal, he would be a free agent and be able to sign wherever he wanted on whatever money he wanted. So it would keep options open to him. Similar to Goldstein's last contract. I, I was surprised Goldie's last contract was a two-year extension. I would imagine for someone of Goldstein's capabilities, it would have been a much longer extension. But I, I believed that he was setting himself up for a uh, an unrestricted free agent flyer. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, on a, just before we move on to something else, I was just reading before on the North Melbourne board earlier this afternoon that Going back to your word, Billy, about you know the genius of the North Melbourne um, staff and um, the allegation, and I don't know if this is true or untrue about what they paid Zeebel and Cunnington and a few of the other guys who came through in that era, and they front loaded their contract purely for speculation of what they might have coming through. And I thought, oh, geez, that's that's really ballsy to do that, and it's really nice to hear that. That Northland have got the balls to hear um, to do that, assuming that's what they did. And then you hear about all this space going forward that we we do have, and you go, oh shit, we really really have underestimated the brain power of North Melbourne. I mean, for all the times the North Melbourne, sorry, the North Melbourne Big Footy Board that they have mostly been castigated for being a bit inept at times, and you go, shit, they really have come through with the goods. If they they can target, say, Kelly, and then if, for example, we play devil's advocate and that then fell through, surely another key player could then step up and go, oh, shit, North Melbourne can offer that. It would have to then make other players and clubs stand up and take notice as if to say, okay, North Melbourne now mean business and they're willing to take on a, a key player. They're willing to take on a massive contract. They're willing to pay proper money. Um, who's which of our players or clubs is willing to to budge on that, and of course they're going to be uh, compensating with the relevant picks should it be. Um, mm. And I, I just think I think it's bloody great. Um, I mean, how did you guys think of that? Did you did you see that coming, or was it more a case of oh, well, it's just sort of the rigmarole and we don't really care? Well, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think the only other thing that, that makes players want to come to you is success. I mean, everyone wants to get paid and everyone wants to make money and that's understandable and that's why a lot of those guys went to, uh, to GWS to begin with and it's, and it's why, you know, teams with lots of money are able to get players. But 
I mean, Hawthorne probably have underpaid a lot of their stars for a long time, but players want to go and play there because they want to win premierships. So, so that's the that's the next step for North Melbourne to to bring in a couple of these big names, but then to become as hugely successful as they can and try to attract players at the other end of that. And you know, I, I think the North Melbourne brand's a really good brand right now. I think that Brad Scott, despite all his failings, presents the club really well and 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 it seems the players really like him and that they speak highly of him and you know, the Higgins has come across and turned his career around and, and turned out to be a ripping player and hopefully that that shows players that coming to North Melbourne can be a good thing for their career. Okay. So we've spent probably a, a lot on that then. Um, a bit of a side issue there. Can someone tell me about this Kelly Rackets and his dog issue and what's going on? Because I've only briefly read about this today and I'm just thinking, what's going on? All these threads about... You know, Josh Kelly, the dog, and Phil Davis, and what a dog he is. <laughs> and someone's got a dog, and they're not coming to Mel- North Melbourne or Melbourne or whatever. Can someone fill us in, or me in, on what is actually going on there? Well, I think what it was, Phil Davis had a press conference, and he was obviously asked about the situation. And uh, you just, you saw like, oh, he likes it up in Greater Western Sydney. He's just bought a dog, as if that's any meaning to say he's not going to move. <laughs> It's, it's weird. It's really strange that that's what he rolled with. I mean, he, normally they say, oh, he's got a girlfriend up here and he's really happy. But to pull out the fact that he's got a dog, like last time I checked, dogs were pretty, you know, movable. We don't, we don't have laws against dogs in Melbourne, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I would have thought that, you know, I mean, we all know there's no um, there's no immigration issues, there's no customs issues or no. um, quarantine issues going between all the states apart from what... Our mate Jesse W. Smith from New Zealand likes to think, and um, normally it's a case of oh yeah, I, I really like the team going forward, and you know I'm settled here. I love my teammates. That sort of bullshit that they all all the teams and the players run with, and um, then you find at the end of the year they've already signed with it, someone else. You know Scully and everyone else has done the same thing before him. So I really wouldn't believe a, a word of what he or anyone else says, because they're all PR and they're all media trained, so it is a bit of a laugh fest, let's, let's be honest. Um, the next issue is, uh, I don't know if it's really an issue, but I think it is to me but and a few other people, is um, the willingness to rotate in, out injured players or anyone who might be slightly uh, 50-50 rather than oh, this person's 80% injured, we're still going to play them. And now the change of concept of, oh, there's a bit of an injury injury cloud, there's a bit of a, a question mark over you, we're going to rotate you out, we're going to try these other players, we're going to debut some new players, and that'll move us into some other subjects going forward. But how do you guys see that, that change of that idea going forward? I don't think it has changed, has it? Is it I mean... The playing injured players thing and, you know, players playing slightly underdone has been something that's happened for as long as I followed footy. I mean, Wayne Carey used to play with two injured shoulders and he did okay. And, you know, Wayne Schwartz played with a broken arm and he did all right. And Steve-O played that grand final in 99 with his leg all busted up. I mean, it, players have played injured for a long time. Maybe, the you know, the medical advancements of getting jabs and all those sorts of things have changed things slightly, but... I, I, I don't know, mate. I, I, I'm unaware that playing injured players was, was something that 
that's come up. I, I must have missed that one. I'm probably talking more about players who are underdone and players in in uh, relation to last year who were underdone or speculated as being injured last year as opposed to this year and and just giving them that extra week. So whether it be you're a key player, you're going to play no time in the VFL, we'll put you straight back into the AFL, into the seniors. Who's an example? Goldstein would be one, I'd say. That would be one. Mason would give, being given the extra weeks and the, the cautiousness of Haven't his... Haven't they just done something on Mason ish, Wood's name? Yes, with the yeah. floating bone, but from yeah. my experience, that's something that you can actually persist with. But to give him that extra time says something. Yes, but you can also counter that argument and say, why is Hanson playing initially? Because he was still underdone round one. But you could all, and, and again, you're right with what you said, uh, Kangaroo, is you could also say, well, why is a guy like Scott Thompson playing when there are other guys who probably could be better? Although I'm not sure what the issue is there. If it's it's a skill issue, it's a Scott Thompson issue, or it's, well, actually not. All the above. It is a Scott Thompson issue. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the Mason Wood thing is that you've got to protect him, don't you? I mean, Mason Wood's a big asset for the North Melbourne Football Club going forward. If you've got any doubt about a part of his body that may not be up to scratch, mate, I'm sitting him down until he's fine. I mean, if we, we don't want to risk Mason Wood. If, if Lockie Hansen has got something that could go wrong, well, mate, he's... Well, if Lockie Hansen goes down with a career-earning injury, I don't think too many North Melbourne supporters are going to lose too much sleep. If Mason Wood went, if Mason Wood went down and, and was to miss three more months, people would be screaming at the medical department for stuffing it up. Yeah. I mean, every player's individual. We've had to put a lot of time and a lot of patience into getting Taylor Garner back. And I don't know about you guys. He didn't touch the ball much last week, but everything he did was really good. So I, I think... Yeah, I think every player is individual, and, and, and the same with coming back through the twos. I mean, if, it, if it's someone that that's, you think, or if they're training the house down and they're going to come in and make an immediate impact, I'm, I'm happy for them to roll the dice and play them. Fair enough. So why is it that you think there, <clears throat> excuse me, that there are some players who can be rushed back and some players who can camp, who need that time, who, sorry, who might need the time of the VFL, and there are others who... You know, it's just probably an ability level thing, isn't it? And a touch, like some players are natural footballers and, and they're really good. I mean, if if Buddy Franklin went down and hurt himself, there's no way he's coming back through the twos. Is there? Surely. You'd suggest not, unless he's been out for the best part of half of the season, you'd suggest that maybe you'd give him a quarter, a third of a game in the VFL and that's it, and you'd just say, do what you like. Mm. But... There are some other players, and you just think, why the hell are they being mollycoddled? You know, I, I just, I, I really don't understand it at times. But um, in other news, uh, Daniel Wells, who was during the week being cleared to play for Collingwood or Collingwood VFL, has now been reduced to we may or may not see him for a week or two. And I just thought, you're bloody hilarious. And he's got the injury vest on. Yeah. And Levi Greenwood is also struggling. So well done, Collingwood, for being the shit trucks that you are. Well, it's been a pretty interesting week for that, yeah. hasn't there? I mean, well, I, we, we went after H. He got dropped. We're, so Wells is out. Greenwood's out. Bastanac's been dropped. 
it seems like a lot of either North Melbourne discards or players that North Melbourne wanted are, are really battling. And here we are offering Josh Kelly nine mil over nine seasons. So, you know, missing out on all those players and the players that left for more money elsewhere, they've, they've in a funny kind of way kissed us on the dick and given us an ability to really become a better football club. Mm. Yeah, but that argument can be countered by Trelaw being a good player and he rejected us. But it's, I, I don't know, mate. I, I don't watch a lot of Collingwood, but I watch Trelaw play and I'm not salivating wishing he was with us. He's good. He's a good player. But I know who I'd rather out of him and Josh Kelly, and that's Josh Kelly every day. This is this okay. Here's something that's been grinding my goat for a while, and this grinding now that you've been, yeah, now, now that you've you've got me on it, you've just reminded me, and I've been it's wanting to get onto it for a little bit of a year, and I've finally remembered this, and it's taken me a long. God, my memory is shit at times. Um, the amount of times at the North Melbourne Big Footy Board, and it's all about um, Operation Corporate Apparel, get Adam Trelaw is one example, <laughs> and every other player, and then it's as soon as it falls through, oh, they will shit anyway. It's like, how many times can the player who you wish to come to your own club be shit just because they reject him? Just because yeah, they... I'm not saying he's shit, Trelaw. Trelaw's a good No, player. I'm not saying you. I'm not, I'm not singling anyone out. I'm just suggesting... There's the amount of times and how hilarious it is by the, the people who say it, and go and look back through those threads, go and find it in history, and it's fucking hilarious to look at. And it's mm. like, and then in hindsight, it's like, oh, they were shit anyway, and ha ha ha, and I hope you. The James H one will be like that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the James H one's spot on though, isn't it? I mean, he is just a shit truck. I mean, honestly, yeah, but at the time bad, he wasn't. But, well, but was, to be fair, I don't know that he, his first season at Brisbane he was okay, but his second season he was shit, and he's he played. I think he played there three years. His third season was no good, and now he's played two, well, one and one and a little bit bad games at Collingwood. I, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm glad we missed out on him because I, I I really wanted him, but the Trelaw one, I don't know. Like, is he really that good, Trelaw? Well, Quiv, um, if you're there and you haven't got me on block or you haven't put me on mute or you're not off having a drink, um, I and hopefully I'm giving you, oh, that's okay, that's cool, I've given you enough time to actually t- unmute me. Um, how do you feel about, you know, going back in time, and I know you might not at the time read the North Melbourne Big Footy Board, but the threads about having, or sorry, wanting to acquire the services of Adam Trelaw and then that not coming through whatsoever... How do you see that? Um, I, I agree with Philly. Uh, he, he's a, well, maybe not as much as Philly. He's a very, very good player. Mm. He's not, he's probably not a best 10 player in the comp, but he's very good. And I, I'm disappointed we didn't get him, but, but life goes on. Um, I'm probably more disappointed we didn't get Tui rather than, uh, Trelaw. Um, I think Tui fits our needs more, but yeah, well, done. Can't, can't win them all. But, but, mate, we got we got Marley. And, yeah, he's been very good, um, which is hard to say. But, yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm warming to him. Yeah. All right, so we're all done there. All right, so moving on to question time. So, Kangaroos Forever, you can lead the questions this week. Please go forward. No worries. I'll question straight up for you then, mate. Yep. So, Goldie came on the oh, scene. Sorry, before we do this, can we just welcome... Um, Greater Gatsby to the show. Ahoy, boys. <laughs> Good, Good evening. Mate, how are you? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. 
Good to have you on, Nice mate. of you. Uh, how was training this evening? Was it good? By the way, um, whatever you say, we are live recording, so just be careful. That's right, mate. No shame. Put my hand up for selection, so see how we go on Saturday. Good eye. Did uh, you play in the house down? Oh, no, I wouldn't say that, but we'll see how we go. It's been coy. So just by the way, we've just we've had some issues that we've been talking about with uh, Trelaw, five-year contracts, um, injuries. We're about to move into the question time, yep. and Kangaroos Forever is um, about to pose me with something or other. Something or other. <laughs> Fair enough, yep. I'll get going. Fire so, away. Goldie, he came on the scene about the same time as HMAC's body started breaking down. It was clear that HMAC was the better pirate at the time, but ultimately consistency was more important than ceiling. Are we going to see the same thing with Priest and Goldie? Or is Priest being overrated? Um, I think, and I'll take the easy option out, and this is also the true option, is I actually think it's it's too early to tell um, with the injury aspect of um, Todd Goldstein last year. It is too hard to tell. And then moving forward and seeing how he bounces back from that, remember that Braden Proust has only been in the game for a couple of years. He's coming from Queensland. Yes, he was with the Gold Coast on their list of some sort. I don't know what, if he was a rookie or he's a professional player from another sport. I can't remember exactly. Um, remember his his years in the VFL have been bog standard, very bog ordinary, and he has had a massive leap forward this year. Uh, they are very different ruck players and how they attack the game and how they move forward and then their defensive game. So I think it's far too hard to tell Give it th- no, give it two years, assuming there's no trade of Todd Goldstein, is my answer. Fair enough. Moving on to next question, Quiv, hypothetical. Would North Melbourne be more successful as a club over the past seven years at the Gold Coast, or was the Gold Coast always going to be a poison chalice regardless? Um, I think it's a bit of both. I don't think there's going to be any successful team there. I mean, it's full of temporary residents on holiday. Um, not really just supporting the park. <laughs> Four, five, seven beaters or what? But um, I also think we would have been more successful as we had an established team. Um, our recruiters know what we were doing. I, I place a lot of the blame on Gold Coast failings in the way they recruited to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I think the answer would be definitely yes. North would be a more successful team up there. Um, but it wouldn't have been a good thing for us. No. Long term, it wouldn't have been. All right, next question. Greater Gatsby, regardless of whether he's picked tonight or not, do you think the emergence of Proust allows us to ensure that Goldie is 100% right before picking him again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I reckon Goldie, you know, we saw him, what did he do last year? He was all right, but when he was unfit, you know, I don't think he had as much of an impact as a fully fit Goldstein would, obviously, but... um. I think Proust has shown he can hold his own and physically he's more of a presence um, around the ground, you know, as he showed on the weekend and week before. But, yeah, no, I think absolutely you'd play a fully fit Proust over a half-fit goal team. Fair enough. Good answer. Philly, Andrew Swallow, should he be consigned to Werribee to mentor our young midfielders unless there's an urgent need for an inside mid? Look, it's a really interesting question. I mean, he's had two really poor weeks, and both for really different reasons. The, the first week, he got a heap of the ball, 
and butchered it, and I reckon gave West Coast eight goals. And the second week, he disappeared when the game was there to be won and didn't get near it. Um, he, in my opinion, he's he's finished, and I'm I'm done with him. I really liked what he brought to the table, but I'm not sure that we need him in that side anymore. The only doubt that I'd have about him going, I mean. The, the thing that he brings to the table is he, his attack on the ball and his defensive skills. And if he could teach some of our young kids at Werribee that, then that's great. But tell you what, hopefully they're not watching his kicking technique and watching the way that he uh, that he moves the ball around because it's just bad. <laughs> Fair enough. That's all the questions I have, mate. Okay, so I've just got a I've got actually a two prong question for you, and they're similar ish in the way that the, the personnel they are. Yep. So I'm not. You know who it's from, and we don't. Uh, I've been asked not to say who it's from. Um, first of all, our best midfield mix. What do you think that is, and/or who do you think that is? In terms of a mix, in terms of how many outside and inside types that we have, is probably the gist of the question that he's asking. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, in terms of the current mix, I still think swallows. We've got one too many inside types in terms of. Swallows just not he can't play that in and out that Daniel Wells can play. Zebel, Cunnington, Dumont, that's fine. That's that's perfect for the inside mids. Because Dumont can play in and out. But we need something to change this up in terms of an inside and outside mid. Like Daniel Wells used to play, so that includes guys like Wagner, Anderson, maybe Garner in the long term, Simkin in the long term, O'Hearn in the long term. But the moment Unfortunately, Swallow's in the way. I like Swallow, but he's in the way at the moment in terms of a proper mix. I think Higgins is the man that can step in there now. I think I, th- I think the perfect mix for me at an opening bounce would be Cunnington, Dumont, and Higgins. I agree, 100%. Um, what about Grady Gatsby and Quiv? So, Quiv, with your your aspect of your absolute one-man Atley love, and Greater Gatsby, I mean... You're, you're an inside. You love your uh, you love your midfielders. What do you guys think about that? You know the the best midfield mix going forward. Quiz. Sorry. Yeah, uh, it's a tough one. Uh, I... <laughs> oh, Sorry, guys. I unmuted myself again. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that hard, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I agree with what uh, K4E was saying. We've got to get the right balance between inside mids and the outside mids and, and ball users and ball winners. Um, and I think Swallow, again, is the one that gets out. He's, he's the older of the group. He's probably the least uh, talented of the group, really, um, of the likes of Zeeble, Cunnington, Dumont, Atley, uh, Lindsay Thomas, even. You know, to running through the midfield. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's just about getting that balance, which we haven't had in a very, very long time. Fair enough. Great, Gatsby. Yeah, I'm all for that. But uh, just quickly on Swallow, I think, you know, he's been great for the club and whatnot, taking nothing away from him. It's obviously stood out a bit the last couple of weeks. The game has slowly gone past his slow self. Um but, you know, you've got to appreciate all the in and under stuff he's done for us for years. But in terms of that mix, he can't go on in there. Like, he's not going to win a premiership for us in there. We need, obviously, Dumont. And Higgins has shown he can be that outside runner. 
Mm. So ideally you'd have two big inside mids, so Cunnington and Dumont, and then you'd rotate through, obviously, Zeebel out of the forwards or on the bench or wherever. And but just keeping that to two big inside mids, because when you got Zeebel, Cunnington and Swallow on the ball with Proust in the ruck, there's not a lot of run coming out of there, which I saw on the weekend, which is, you know, when the game's there to be won, you've got to have blokes that are going to beat Dangerfield in that first 10 metres, which is rare, but you've got to at least compete. So you've got to have a quick bloke as well as two in, in and under kind of players. Which is funny because what you were saying about there and your mix, and then so what we saw on the weekend was um, Andrew Swallow at one point on the wing, and then what do you make of that, and where should he be? And that's probably for for you, Greater Gatsby, and also for Quiv and Quiv's love of um, Sean Atley. <laughs> uh, in terms of Swallow? In terms um, of Andrew Swallow, yes. I don't think he fits into our uh, 22 at the moment. I reckon Dumont's overtaken him in his traditional in-and-under role, so... You know, if he can prove that he deserves his spot over Dumont or another in and, in and under like Cunnington or Zeebel, then albeit. But at the moment, you know, you can't have any liabilities in a fast-paced game. And I think that's the problem with him too, mate. I think he's the, the main problem with Swallow is, apart from his really poor disposal, is he's really a one-trick pony. If he's not in the centre really grinding out possessions and, and dishing it out to others or attempting to. He's got nothing else. He can't go forward. He can't go back. He can't go outside. I mean, what, what's his what's his secondary role in the side? I, every you, you every other keep player him. has that impact elsewhere on the ground, every other player in the team, except for him. He's, he's the one that can only do one thing, and he's not even doing that one thing well at the moment. Which is interesting that you want to keep him. And for how many years have I said to you about trading him and you've said to me in person about, oh, what are you talking about? You can't get rid of the North Melbourne captain. He's not well, captain anymore, mate. Well, at the time you could have got rid of him. It doesn't matter if you've got the captain or not not captain. And you know back in the day I was talking about even getting rid of Wells at the time. We got rid yep. of him at the end of that year, finally. Oh, yeah, yeah so, I mean, you're, you're probably right about Swallow, but yeah, I, I think at the same time, there's more to a football club than just what they put out on the ground. And now, now that he's no longer the captain, I, th- I think he, he should be moved on. And I, I believe 100% that he will be at the end of the year. I, I'd be disappointed if Andrew Swallow played 22 games this year. I, th- I think he'll get dropped. Well, just as a side issue and not a question, but just something I just thought of, would you keep him on in a... You know, there was this talk about um, Jimmy Bartell at Geelong, for example, about keeping him on... and them asking, sorry, Geelong asking Bartell to play in the VFL and mentor the young kids, would you do a similar thing for Andrew Swallow or would you say no way whatsoever? No, mate, mate Swallow seems like an upstanding, you know, he's, he's a good guy. I, I wouldn't have any problem doing it. Whether he'd want to do it's another thing. I mean, the main reason I think we've tried to hang on to Swallow the last few years is to try to get his brother and it just seems like that's never going to happen. So let's just cut our losses and be done with it. I agree. Okay, last question. Um, for This was going to be for Kangaroos forever, but he, if he doesn't want to answer this, he doesn't have to, and anyone else can jump in for this. Last year, this is from the same person, by the way, Kay. Yes. Um, Sam Gibson has been the perennial whipping boy on the North Melbourne Big 40 website. Yep. 
Prior to the season, it was speculated that Marley Williams was going to overtake him due to his alleged poor kicking, which I don't think this year it has been poor at all. Um, is he going to over? Sorry, is he he being Marley Williams going to overtake um, Sam Gibson as the perennial whipping boy, or is um, Gibson stuck with that for eternity? Uh, to be honest, I. I believe that other players have actually overtaken Gibson in terms of whipping boy. Thompson. Tom- Thompson <laughs> and Swallow are the two that's they've absolutely copped the pillar of the post. I've been critical of Thompson, so I'm not going to go on about that. And Swallow we've already discussed. In terms of Gibson, Gibson's at least producing good football. Same with Marley Williams, so I tell you what though, Gibbo did make the entire crowd the other day groan when he kicked that ball out on the floor. Yeah, but you expect that at least once a match. It was a, it was a brilliant groan. Because it was, just, it was emphatic. Grown. It was emphatic from the North Melbourne supporters. It almost gave people a heart attack. As soon as he got the ball, the everyone went handball, and we didn't quite get handball out, and he kicked it out on the floor, and we all went, oh. it was brilliant. It was, if, if it wasn't so damn sad, it would have been funny. Fair enough. You going to say right, something, Greta Gatsby? Sorry. Yeah, yeah just on just on Gibson. Um, you know, I've obviously been highly critical of him, but um, one thing that I've started doing this year is, you know. After the games, I think, geez, Gibson's not played very well. But then I go and look at his stats, and he's had 27 touches, and I've only noticed the one or two he's turned over or cost us a goal or whatever. So I'm more reserving my um, harsh words on Gibson for the stats. Fair enough. To be honest, I actually don't think that Gibson's been that bad this year. I think he's he's, he's been okay. I, I, as Kay said, I um, and I'm... I normally don't agree with him anyway, but um, I I do on this occasion that there's been probably, what, 10 players who have been far well, worse is probably the wrong word, but yeah, they have been worse than him, so I think that Sam Gibson has actually improved, if that's possible, or maybe it's just by, yeah, by default. He's he's Um, definitely stepped up. He has... um, and I was just thinking of a last, I know I keep saying last question, last question, and Quiv has been very, very silent in the background, and I know what he thinks of this player. Scott Thompson, two weeks, what do you think? Thanks for your service, Tom. Uh, Scotty, see, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your payout and get the hell out of the club. No, sorry. Um, Why didn't we challenge? That's what I want to know. Why didn't we challenge for two weeks? <laughs> Has anyone seen the full speed replay? Because all I keep seeing is the slow mo replay of the uh, the him stirring well, him down and then whacking him across the head, and then going the forearm and digging it in. And I just think, oh, okay, great. But, uh, Thank you. To- hmm. Toby Green did a similar thing against Port Adelaide last year. Mind you, it was less of a swinging action; it was more just grinding his forearm into Boke's head. But, <laughs> you know, but he's from Port Adelaide, so that, uh, therefore it's okay, apparently. But um, Oh, it's how they play Adelaide. Yeah. Toby Green's a funny little player, and I know that Kangaroos Forever loves to hate him or hates or love him like, or whatever. I, like, I love the quiz description of him, that he, he has absolutely no right to be a good footballer. But he, <laughs> <laughs> What did he say last year in the game against uh, Toby Green, that he was um, he had no right to be on a football field, but he admires that a fat little prick like him <laughs> can actually get a game at half four or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> I 
I'm going to be called into question for that. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Uh, moving on, because I know we're time-limited, apparently. Um, the review, boys, one point loss, uh, Geelong, uh, George Holland-Smith, <laughs> final goal within two minutes, one of the, the nominated spuds or the Kerry spud nominees. Uh, all this speculation going around, and I saw most of the game, but I couldn't believe some of the crap going around that um, it was to blame on Robbie Tarrant the entire game, that entire loss. Who um, says that? Um, a few prominent North Melbourne big footy posters. Not me, obviously. Yeah, someone that you've met, Philly. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about it afterwards. So a few of the guys have mentioned have sorry two have suggested that it was um on on the back and on the shoulder of um of Robbie Tarrant who I actually thought had a reasonable game he was, for three he, had the, he was in the coaches votes well he was in my votes and yes I know that Hawkins and a few of the others got the goals against but I think for the first three quarters he did pretty well um but then again I'm watching on TV and I'm not at the ground so but Hawkins um, got lost soft freeze as well so I wouldn't read a heap into it but how much did Hawkins carry on? How much did he carry on to his coach? How much did he, you know, not like a, a Nick Rewalt, but, oh, look at me and um, and act like a little punts and a little bitch that he is. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I, I think there's some other players that are probably at fault. but um, And some would suggest the coach, but I, I think it's hard to put that on the coach when you, you'd suggest that it's up to the players to lock down the game. And they should know at a particular time, you know, lock it down, You've got two minutes, you've got three minutes, whatever else. Yep. Or maybe it's up to the support staff. But what do you guys think about... So, obviously, here we're in the review. It's a one-point loss. It's Geelong. It's uh, all this sort of shit that I've just mentioned just before. What do you guys think? I think we could just should just take the positives out of it. That's the only thing you can do with some of these guys. Especially with a newer group, a few new recruits, a few young players. It's just important to cement. Because unfortunately, a lot of our younger, bigger guys, guys like Daw and Proust, they were absolutely spent by the end of the game, and they were crucial to us getting back into it. And since you you've changed your tune. I talked to you before the game. What you guys said? What you think? Oh, uh, look, I'm filthy about the loss, and I'm filthy. I'm going to do a plug of 35 and complain about the umpires here. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I, I hated the umpiring with the Motlop's free kick, which he butchered. But I was still upset mm. about is when McDonald went in harder then Motlock and you got penalised for it. That, yeah, you're right. It's not in the spirit of the game. It's things like like the soft little freeze, yeah, fine, but that yeah. that's not there. Going hard on, at the football shouldn't be penalised. On that one, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a metre away from the ball and you blindly put your head down and you're reaching with no vision for the ball, you're, you're not making a genuine attempt for it, are you? No, because Motlock, I don't particularly rate his hardness at the football. He's basically a Travis Varco, but as Gary Gatsby was saying, he... He just didn't go hard at the football. He didn't have the right technique, yet McDonald's penalised Motlop's crap technique. Yeah. Mm. Um, the, the other things that are coming out of that, no, obviously we want to move on this, sorry, move on because of time again, but um, it's touching on, so the Thompson suspension, first of all, what do you think of that for two weeks? But also, um, GG, what did you think of the Pruce fine and I sort of preface that with Mumford going in. I preface that with a few other tall players that have gone on similar and have been, it's a case of play on, nothing to see here. Why is that a fine for 
Braden Proust and not for other players of similar real sorry, similar stature. That's oh. what I want to know. Well, um firstly I I was I was a big fan of that, like as I don't know if anyone watched Off the Couch or On the Couch, whatever that stupid show is that people pay to watch. Um that uh who was it? Chris Scott was on it and he defended Proust, you know. Why are guys applauded for standing under the ball if they're not going to expect any contact? Like, if you're going back to fly to the ball, that's part of the bravery. That's right. And you want your big blokes on the ground. How many times, like, over the last couple of years, you know, Goldstein wouldn't have done that. Ferrito would have. You know, who else in our team applies that physical presence from behind? And so what? And then one thing to note was it was a mongrel torp. It dipped. If it had a carried, Bruce would have taken a mark. You can't judge the dip of that ball. Coming uh, early, but anyway, um, you cop a fine, you move on. Proust plays this week, hopefully. And that's the weird thing is you can't, and his reaction within 0.15 of a second is not going to be too great, nor is any footballer. But also, if you change him or you expedite him out and put, say, okay, we were talking about Andrew Swallow in or um, some little player in, in place of him, would it be seen completely differently because of their size? And my answer would be yes, because yeah. of the impact of yeah. what is seen by the the AFL, the greater public, the media, and, well, basically everyone. And that sort of don't get, there is no consistency in that. It's almost like, well, you're a big player, therefore you should be able to pull up. But at the same time, if your name is, sorry, if your height is less than six foot two, well, you can barrel in, like the good old days, almost. And that's almost what I don't like. Um, is that how it appears to you? Yeah. No, nah, you can't limit it on height, but obviously size is a big part of it. Um, so you're completely right. You know, Zebel does that. He gets a fine or a week or whatever. Bigger blokes, you know. And we are commonly known to have the worst side of the MRP. They're... Uh, Wheel of Misfortune, their spin for every incident. But, um, you know, I don't know. You take the fine, you move on. It's good marking technique. If that was a pack, you would have split it. Ball goes to the ground. We could have got it up the other end quickly. And so, I suppose the positive spin you can put on that is everyone's in on notice of, well, that's what Braden Proust is going to put to you, and it's going to put the fear of God into you if you're in front yeah, of his knee. So, that's right. Um, if that's the positive spin, that's great. And, yeah, like you said, you, you take the good with the bad at times, and unfortunately being a North Melbourne supporter and a player at times or anyone involved with the club, you've just got to move forward. You can't affect what's just happened, so you roll with it and that's it, unless you're arrested and, and you take it to the Supreme Court. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you guys want to touch on in the review? Okay, great. Moving, <laughs> moving on to the preview... Um, so up against uh, Kangaroos forever favourite opposition team, um, the greater plas- yeah, plastic. Fox. Off you go. I want to hear some. I already know some great matchups, but um, oh, you how know are we going to go against them? We're in Hobart. It's an early Saturday afternoon. I can't believe it. It's for a change. Mm, it's nice. And uh, yeah, it's about time we got something other than a Sunday. But um, I'm liking this. What do you make of um, make of this going forward? Oh, Excuse me. In terms of in, ins and outs, Sam Durden in, so that's a good in. Scott Thompson, Simpkin out, Goldstein back in. 
it's going to be interesting. I believe we've gone in a bit too tall, especially considering the weather might not be great, especially yeah, for Tasmania. Sh- so yeah, shortly one of them comes out. Uh, there is some word from Scooby that there might be a late out. I would believe that, that Clark will come in. Vickers, Willis and Wagner also on the emergencies. So I wouldn't be surprised if we drop one of the tools out, probably a Bruce, because we don't need another Ruckman. But anyway, in terms of matchups, the AFL app's pretty much done it for me, which is rare. It's actually done something good. So Tomlinson, Dorr, Davis straight to Brown, because Brown's been our best forward. And basically, small forwards mix and match with their defenders. We're going to have to lock down on their half-back line, though. They have some of the best half-back line in the league. They're just quick. They rebound. They're very good. Midfield, go head-to-head. I actually see Atlee going to Green when Green goes into the midfield. And in terms of our defence, Hanson goes to Lobb because both of my immobile brick walls. Tarrant could go to Cameron. I would have said Patton, but Patton's in the emergencies. And as for the other ones, Mullet could actually go to Johnson. McDonald can go to Johnson. There's a few matchups there. Devin Smith, Marley Williams will go to him. So there's a few matchups there. So it should be a very interesting match. What was that, Quiv? Sorry, who who do you think goes to Lob? Hanson. Okay. Both from the big walls that aren't very mobile. <laughs> so they nullify each other out, sort of. Um, the old <laughs> seventeen on seventeen. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty much. It's the old maths analogy, so. How do you go forward? Um, what's the weather? So the weather is meant to be, or at least oh, to be, what? Pretty, yeah, pretty ordinary. Yeah. That's the word. Thanks. Um, do you think that North Melbourne is going to have a bit of a late change out as well? Looking forward, I think Clark might be the change in. I'm surprised that Willis, Vickers Willis is the out. Sorry, not out, but he's the emergency, which is kind of good in a way for me, that I really like him and I really rate him. It was actually really good actually seeing this on the... Channel 7 and 9 news this evening in Melbourne, um, how he's congratulating, getting around his mate um, Sam Durden for being the 1,000th uh, shin boner to be uh, donning the jersey this weekend. So even though they're up, kind of up against each other, it was really good to see. Um, I really rate B-Dub, but uh, hopefully, he's, oh, I don't know if it's a weird thing to say, but hopefully he's a late in. But, um, Surely any other gold sort of scenes. Thoughts? Keeps yes. a tough game for Durden to come into, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I think any game at this time of year, and then even moving forward to the yeah, I, I the hear Bulldogs you, game next week could be a yeah. I'd rather play against the Bulldogs than GWS as my first game. I just, I just see that they they're going to get the ball in there a lot. They're going to get it in clean. I just, I just checked the weather while you guys were talking then, and they're only saying one to five mils of rain. That's nothing. Not much. I mean, I don't think it's going to be affected by rain. I think we go in as named, and hopefully, Proust can uh, can smash some bodies. But I mean, they're going to get the ball into to Durden a lot, to whoever Durden's playing on. I think they're going to try to go through that whoever player he's on, and and try to burn us there. So hopefully, he can hold his own, and hopefully, the midfield can play a good defensive game. Otherwise, I reckon it could get ugly, as horrible as it is to say. Well, as you said, it's like it's not going to rain too much. It's not going to be cold whatsoever. It is this time of year. It's not like it's going to be August in in Hobart, which is, um, I suppose, a positive for everyone, including Braden Proust. But 
I um I don't, I don't see too much in it in terms of the weather, apart from being you know sort of the open air and how the boys going to adjust that. But surely you know, in this day and age of professional footballers, you should have a, a fair clue on what's going on. Um, and for anyone to use that ex- as an excuse, um, that's pretty poor. On this uh, game, I think um, yep. the it'll be one inside. So obviously, our contested disposals need to be pretty clean. We can't just be hacking it on the small ground because their halfbacks will rebound with interest every time. So it's not the old Zebel, you know, hack out of the forward line because they'll just have numbers around the footy before our mids get there. And we've got to lock down on their halfbacks as well. So the forwards have really got to press and play man on man or whatever just to slow it up so as, you know, our defenders have a chance. You don't have dirt and one-on-one every time. Just to cut you off, this is actually one of the longest grounds, as far as I know, in the comp, is it not? Is it narrow, though? It is. It's very long. If you've ever been on it, um, and I've been on the MCG, the Etihad, Wacker and the Subiaco, and a few other grounds, and when I've been on, as it's now known, Blundstone, or the Hobart Cricket Arena, it is really long. And I'm comfortable kicking end-to-end on the MCG, but when it comes to Blundstone, I just think it's massive. <laughs> what did you say? You're comfortable kicking end-to-end? Well, wouldn't, no, as in three kicks and go three kicks and go from there, you know, from the kick out into the 50 and then to the other end and then, yeah, about three from one, two, three. So I'm just trying to picture it in my head. It's not coming out in great words, is it? Yeah, from about three kicks, <laughs> but... Um, God. It's too fucking late, and I've had too many drinks. Just ignore me. Oh, you've read yeah, the look, lines. Look, I yeah, no, it's not this time. But, um, Game bags. I'm not in WA, not tonight. Oh, okay. Blame G and eighty for that. Yeah, oh, you better stay at his place. Um, it's a very long ground. It is. It's, it's quite narrow, and. I, so, I don't, so, I don't, I don't know how that affects the players because when you go from, I know we all talk about professional players and this and that and the other thing and, and adjusting to different dimensions. But So in terms of the ground, on a scale of, say, you know, a Corey Wagner to a Robin Nahas, what's the... Uh... <laughs> I've been waiting for this for three years. Go on. So is it, in terms of length... <laughs> Yes. So you reckon it's more of a Nahas esque type paddock? It's one how many Nah how many is going to Blundstone? On the Nahas meter, it's one and a half. Sorry, one and a half, <coughs> one and a quarter Nahases. Or if you want to put in the Wagner's, I'm not too familiar with the old Wagner scale of measurement, but I'm going to go with two and a half. I don't know. Okay. Wouldn't have a clue, but uh, um. Yeah, it is pretty massive. Fuck, that's just weird. <laughs> Are we done? We're almost Fucking... done. So basically, how do you see the match playing out, Nate? Oh, someone else take this. Fuck All right, quiz. How do you see the match playing out? It's going to be a tough one. Um, I don't want to say like last week where I said John would flog us and then we ended up only losing by a point. Um... But you're naturally optimistic, though. That's the thing. Yeah, uh, again, I don't say it's winning, but um, 
don't know. It was a good game last week. We showed a lot. Who knows? We might take it up to the GWS kids. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. Fair enough. Any lasting comments, guys, before we finish up? No, mate. Thanks for having um, us on. I just think it's it, look. Um, I think it's going to be uh, a tough game, and I think even more looking forward into next week is going to be another another tough game. So I think all the members need to stick with it and not get too carried away with oh well it's an expansion side and um, it should be um, an easy win. I don't think it will be whatsoever, if at all. Uh, you support the club no matter what, and um, you roll with the good and you roll with the bad, and that's the way it is. That's all from me. Fair enough. Right, guys, we'll finish up there for the evening. Thanks for everyone for jumping on. Cheers, mate. Thank you. No yeah, thanks for the debut. No worries, mate. Yeah, no worries. And thanks, yeah. mate, for hosting. That very much appreciated. I'm not sure if yeah, we'll thanks, do it again. Thanks for being my little. Yeah, thanks for being my. <laughs> thanks for being Next my time I'll promote Quiv. <laughs> and yeah, thanks again, mate. And thanks for listening, everyone. I apologise about my Motlock comments earlier. He's a fat flog. And good evening. <laughs>